Well, I hate to draw an end to such a good thing with the church being and doing the church as they church together. Let's make church a verb, right? Churching should be a verb, not just like an attendance activity. Yeah, church, you're doing a good job churching. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to give you the announcements this morning. So are you ready for them? You know, first service was readier than you. So I'm going to do the old school thing of, are you ready for the announcements? Yes, good. Uh, This excitement, let's take it as if the women hadn't done enough with their fabulous women's conference this last weekend, which was, see, this is excitement. This is energy. I like it. I like it. Uh, The ladies are going to keep doing lady things. No, don't stop. I was going to tell you to turn it down, but don't, don't, don't do that. Churches don't need that. Uh, they're going to play Bunko, and Bunko is exciting. Amy told me how exciting Bunko is by hitting me repeatedly. They're playing Bunko, and Bunko is, ex- she even put an exclamation point on my list here. Bunko, the 2nd of October, you should come if you are a woman and you qualify uh, because you are a woman to come to Ladies Night. So come to that. Second announcement. Uh, just for last minute, the So Gala reminder, their, their annual fundraiser that they do. We've got four seats left. That's this weekend, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about what that is, come talk to one of us, and we'll let you know what's going on with that. Third thing, uh, Titus Two Mentorship. Remember when Tracy and Margaret came up a couple of weeks ago, and they shared with you about the women's mentoring program that we have here? That kicks off. Uh, the 28th, which is already this week, which is crazy, is it not? That it's almost October? It is very, they prepped me for the reality that as I got older, time would get faster. That is a thing, is it not, friends? It is. Uh, the, the grayer the hair, the more the nodding in response to that question, which I appreciated. So that the Titus II mentoring kicks off on the 28th. Number four, uh, as a reminder, last week when Betsy came and talked about the Women's Center that they're trying to start up, uh, we still have some bottles in the back. Awesome. Welcome, church family. It's good to be with you. Uh, Two more announcements, actually. Uh, First and foremost, this two weeks from now, we have worship auditions. You guys enjoying music that that our teams provide? A couple of you, yes. They are doing an amazing job. We're thankful for that. But we're always looking for other people that have giftings. So if you play music, if you sing, uh, come, prepare something, October 5th, 6 p.m. Uh, Sarah and I are actually just going to tag team it this time. It's uh, not very formal. 
you know, just come. You don't have to be in suit and tie. We're not going to buzz you out and say, X, you're out of here. Um, but we want to make sure that that is where the Lord is leading you. Um, secondly, we have the pleasure of sending off a dear friend of ours. Aaron, will you come up? And um, Aaron Lynn has been a part of our church for many years. Yeah, please give her a round of applause. Um, I've had the pleasure of working in worship ministry with you. You've worked in Awana. Um, she, she, nursery, amongst other things. But the biggest thing that she's done over the past probably decade almost is work with Night in Bethlehem and help to plan that. Um, unfortunately, but fortunately for her, she's moving to take care of her aged parents to Virginia. So we wanted to honor you today and just thank you for your service unto the Lord and um, just to pray a blessing over you as you leave here for safe travels, that you are doing a good thing in caring for your parents and uh, we'll, we will miss you. And um, will you extend a hand? Let's pray for Erin um, as you're laying hands on her. She's going to be leaving here in a couple weeks. But let's uh, commission her to uh, work with her parents and, and to safe travels. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for family as we have ebbs and flows here at SBC. And Erin has been an intricate part of many different ministries over the years. She has uh, raised two boys to your glory. She has worked hard in what you have provided. And Lord, as uh, you have made a new path for her as she leaves uh, to go take care of parents, Lord, may you equip her. May you uh, give her wisdom and patience. And Lord, may you be with her as, as she leaves here in a couple weeks to travel across the United States. And, and Lord, to find a church home, Lord, that she can extend her gifts there. And uh, we love you, Lord. We place her in your hands. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends, with, with that said, Night in Bethlehem this year, we're going to put a pause on Night in Bethlehem. But if there's an interest for you guys that you're like, man, I really would love to take over Night in Bethlehem, there's a couple weeks that Aaron's still here. Touch base with her, and then we can kind of brainstorm for 2024. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you, Aaron. All right, let's dive into the Word. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will put one in your hand. Uh, there's a couple people around the area. We're going to continue through Ephesians uh, today, picking up in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And uh, once you have Bibles there, there's a couple over here, Brian, in the middle. And over to the left, please. Will you stand for the reading of God's Word? And um, as Brian kind of puts a couple there, making sure we got them. There we go. Let's stand together and read together. We stand for the honoring of God's word, knowing that faith comes by hearing and hearing by these holy scriptures. May they permeate our hearts. Verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be... And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, will you uh, teach us more of who you are? Holy Spirit, bring the remembrance of scripture, stir our hearts to be more like you. Lord, we want to grow our faith. We want to draw near to your heart now. 
thank you for opportunities that we can gather as the body of Christ. Lord, may you uh, set us on mission. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You folks may have a seat. So today we're going to contrast the difference between a wise person and a person of wisdom. Or, excuse me, a foolish person and a person of wisdom. And as we kick off on your, you should have a handout that you got. Our first point of our message today comes from verse 15. And it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. As we decipher what to look carefully means, sometimes it can, it can mean circumvently. As you're looking around, as you're, you're observing where you have come from, where you are currently, and then also the direction that we're going forward, making sure that our footing is secure and founded on the foundation of Christ. I think about circumvently because I remember being taught as in, in sports that we're always kind of got our head on a swivel. We're looking around, making sure that the attack isn't coming from behind or from a corner or from behind or in front of us. And, and this is you and I today, that we want to make sure that our footing is secure and that we're being wise in all of our steps. As the Apostle Paul alluded to earlier in, in this, this chapter, he gave us some distinct things to be looking for and to be like. He says, to be imitators of Christ. And to be an imitator, we ultimately need to see what we are, what we are doing with our lives. Einstein had said it, and he said, a definition of insanity, you guys have heard this quote maybe, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We don't want to be foolish in our actions, but we want to be wise. Our lives should reflect just that, people that are changed, people that are not conformed to the world, but ones that are world changers, standing firm, being bold for Christ being wise. Secondly, verse 16, it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I don't know about you, but I am a huge waster of time. I can be scrolling through Facebook. I can, it's very easy to, to do that. But he's saying here, one, that we need to be redeeming the time, buying up the opportunity, seizing the moment. As Christians, we, we don't want to be time wasters. But in fact, even as Ben Franklin stated, that lost time is never found again. It's our greatest commodity. Why? Because the days are evil. Redeem the time with your family, with your friends, with your kids, with your work, as you're driving, as you are interacting with non-believers in this world. Redeem the time. I don't know about you, but... Life is short. You know, there's, uh, this week I believe we have two memorials that are happening here at the church, and it's always a reminder of how fragile life is. In, in a very instant, our lives can be changed. As we drive away from here, all of a sudden we could be in a car wreck and be in a coma for the next 20 years. Lord, may we make the best use of our time for your glory and yours alone. This mortal life is short, we never know when we might take our last breath. And ultimately, we never know when the Lord will come back and maybe take the church home. Yeah, amen, right? The God is coming back. Praise God. And I'm reminded of that every time that I, I try to come and speak before you that 
that time is limited and I want to make the best use of my time before you and give honor to God through it. And I know that there's been many opportunities that I've missed throughout the years. So at this particular moment, I just want to share, maybe you're here today and you don't know who the Lord is. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I've I just been blown and I need to repent and I need to come back to Jesus. In the simplicity of the gospel, we admit that we are in need of a Savior. God, we need you. We are saved by grace through faith alone. We believe unto the Lord Jesus of who he was, and, and he came as a man, and he was brutally beaten and lived a perfect life and was killed on a cross and was buried in the tomb and was risen from the dead. And lastly, we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that he has saved us, that he is deserving of our lives. We repent from our sins. Maybe that's you today. If it is, please come talk to me after. Talk to Pastor Jesse, one of the pastors. Maybe even your neighbor and say, you know what? I became a follower of Christ today. We want to rejoice with you. So exciting to see people that come to the Lord. Moving on, the bulk of our time this, this morning, I know we've kind of gone, gone through those first two, two points pretty quickly, but we're going to rest upon what is called the will of God. Everybody say will. Okay, the will of God for theologians have been broken up really into two different parts. One, um, we believe that God has a sovereign will, kind of a secret will, and then we have what's called the revealed will of God. To begin, as we talk about the secret will of God, it can be kind of dissident and cold. It might sound like, man, like God has removed himself from, from humanity. That is far from the truth. The agnostics used to believe that and just say like, man, God, okay, he created everything and then he took his hands off and said, I'm out. No, God is a personal God. And in fact, in, in John chapter one and Colossians chapter one, he's so personal that he sent Jesus, his son, into humanity so that we can relate to him, that he would die for humanity for you and I. But, with the sovereign will of God, there is an aspect that we don't understand, that we don't see. And maybe you've asked these questions like, God, why, why does a hurricane come and decimate a whole island of people? Or why did my loved one die? Or why do I have cancer? And there's a whole list of things that we can ask the question of why. And I, I'm not here today to, to share with you I know the answer. But to illuminate this a little bit, let's take a look at one example in the Old Testament of God's sovereign will. And that, think of Joseph. Everybody know who Joseph was? Joseph was the son of, of Israel, Jacob. Uh, one of 12 sons. There's 12 sons of Israel. So, yeah, he was one of his sons. And we know ultimately that he was thrown into a pit. But then the end of the story, we find that he became the second ruler in Egypt. So if we take a 10,000 foot level view of this, if we see the trajectory of God's sovereignty, we see that there was going to be famine, that there was going to be brokenness, that there was going to be um, no food. But if we, we narrow in and we're like, man, he was thrown into a pit, he was almost murdered, he was sold into slavery, we could go onto the, the sidetrack of saying, oh man, God, God didn't love Joseph very much. And I use this as an example. Sometimes we, don't, we narrow in on one specific instance, but we don't see the big picture. It's the same thing with Jesus in the New Testament. As we find all through Scripture in the Old Testament, prophecies pointed to this coming Messiah, that God was going to come and redeem mankind. 
But as we narrow in on the story and the narrative of Jesus on, on what happened with him, he died a brutal death, and murder is against the law of God. That doesn't make sense. And sometimes we don't always get the clear picture. I even speak that of myself, that coming from brokenness or coming from uh, child abuse and things like that, I, I was like, man, why God? Why did this happen to me? And you can get frustrated, get mad, you can get angry. But as I've, I've walked now the earth 40 some odd years, I can look back and see God's sovereign hand on why he allowed some of these things to happen for his glory. And even for the moment of even standing here today before you. Not everything that happens, though, we're going to get an answer to in God's sovereign will. Listen to these verses as God talks to Job. Job chapter 38, verse 4. It says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 it says, the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the law. Furthermore, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there, there is no one like me, declares declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. God can fully reveal everything to us. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I want to know all the details. But I think for the safety of our own minds and our own psyche, he chooses not to. But this turns us to what is called the revealed will of God. So we talked briefly about the sovereignty of God and that he has a plan and that he, he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But God has given us what is called the revealed will of God. And with the revealed will of God, it, it can also be uh, labeled as his command or his moral will. As you look at your sheet here, the first thing that, that is the will of God is that you are saved. That is good news. It's good news that God drew us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God wills that you wouldn't have eternal damnation. The, the salvation of the lost is the will of God. God does not delight in the destruction of the wicked, but rather he rejoices in the saving of the lost. Turn your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, and it says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not slow about his promise, but is patient towards you, not willing that any would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. That word repentance isn't always common in our culture today. But again, repentance, turning away from the sin, turning away from the direction we were going and going back to the Lord. God is calling us all to repent, all to turn. But there's a sad 
sad blip too here. Matthew 7.21. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does, excuse me, the will of the Father will be saved. There's fakers out there, friends. There's imposters. There's wolves in sheep's clothing. All the more why we need to know this book. All the more why we need to be equipped and, and know the false teachings from the good teachings. All the more we need to know our identity in Christ, knowing that he has saved you and redeemed you and that you are his child and a blessing unto him and that he has a work for you to do. And this leads us to verse 18. He said we need to look around about us. We need to be looking ahead and, and around and to the side. We need to be making the best use of our time. He instructs us to know the will of the Lord here. And part of the will of the Lord is that you would be filled with the Spirit. In different circles of Christianity, you're going to get different definitions of what being filled with the Spirit means. But a promise that we have, first and foremost, is that as we have been saved, we have what is called the indwelling of the Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit resides in your heart, the believer's heart. Jesus tells his disciples, I must go away so that the helper may come. What a blessing we have that we are not alone in this world. We have that promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that is good news. Now speaking of this though, he contrasts the difference between being filled with the Spirit and drunkenness. And listen to what Leonard Ravenhill kind of speaks of when he speaks of being filled with the Spirit. He says, like the wind blowing the sails of a ship and providing impetus to move the ship across the water, a spirit-filled Christian is not motivated by his own desires or will to progress. Instead, he allows the Holy Spirit to carry him in the process of directions. Now think of this, that our lives are like the sails of a ship. Thinking back to like Christopher Columbus, big, huge ship, big mass. If they're in the middle of the ocean and there's no wind, they're not really going anywhere. But if the wind comes and they catch the wind, it, it pushes them through the Atlantic. It pushes them through the water. This is much like how Ravenhill is, is, is saying the Holy Spirit comes and he blows life into our, our lives and, and, and pushes us toward him and for righteousness and glory. And, and as we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, we hear that still small voice and we will know that it won't go contrary to this. It will exactly line up with this. But with drunkenness, we find, as he contrasts those two, if we've been drunk or if we're drinking, many times we are out of control. Our minds are foggy. We can be irrational. We can be numbing um, the things of the world, making poor decisions. But rather, as he's saying, being filled with the Spirit, we take our thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ. Holy Spirit, will you give us the mind of Christ in doing what you have for us? We're in control. We have peace. We have freedom within him. We walk in wisdom. Furthermore, we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. I get that, that song in my head of little kids. Love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You guys know that song? 
Sunday school. My, my daughter sings it often in the house. She's like wiping the counter. Love, joy, peace, babe. If you guys didn't know, she's not in here. She, I don't want to embarrass her. But we have four girls that are next door that are leading music for our kids right now. And, you know, they're ranging from like 8 to 12 right now, but they're, they're leading Sunday school music, and I'm so proud of them. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, so yeah. So there's a couple of them. Eileen um, Eile and Ezra are serving over there, and then um, Sage, and then Olivia, Kenzie. Yeah, so there's actually five, five kids. So raising up leaders, disciples making disciples. So pretty awesome. Just wanted to share that with you. Okay, so back to our text as we talk about being filled with the Spirit. So in different circles, you're going to find different explanations of this. But the idea and thought for you and me today is that we are more surrendered unto the Lord. As we become um, followers of Christ, we are taking everything that we want and saying, Lord, I need to give it to you. I'm giving it to you. And we have those opportunities to do that daily. Lord, I'm laying down my life. I'm taking my thoughts captive. I want to chase after you. And with that, we will find that the, the Spirit will work in and through us, and you will find the empowerment of the Spirit as we surrender more to him, just as we talked about with that wind. Now, there's a caveat here. God's interaction with mankind isn't always the same. I take the example of Moses, and we go to the Old Testament. Moses goes up on the hill, and he has this encounter with a burning bush, and his face is like gleaming, and that has never happened to me. It may have happened to you. Maybe anybody glowing? Um, So his interaction is different than my interaction, just like some of the Old Testament or even um, some of the apostles. My interaction isn't the same. I'm not jealous of those moments, but um, I ask God, Lord, if you have something special for me, by all means, bring it on. But I don't want to chase after those things. I don't want to chase after the ecstasy or the feelings or the desire to have this mountaintop experience all the time. I don't know about you, but for the most part, I think the Lord has called you and I to have a consistency rather than being like this. Now, I remember a couple years ago, I went through my ordination stuff, and there was this word that the CMA uses often. It's called crisis. And when I first heard it, I was like, man, what, what does that mean? Like, if I'm having a crisis with God. And I thought, I was like, man, there's something bad's going to happen. And then as I studied it more and more, and as A.B. Simpson, kind of the founder of our denomination, he describes it as these are moments of more of a, a surrender and an illumination of, of more of who God is. That's part of being filled with the Spirit. There's going to be times in your life that all of a sudden God will maybe open your eyes a little bit more to his glory, a little bit more to his holiness, a little bit more to calling you and I to set aside sin a little more to saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing with my kids, but Lord, will you give me wisdom? And then he gives you some clarity. Or Lord, I'm, I'm struggling as a husband and a wife. Will you, will you fill me with, with grace and help me to practice what you have told me to practice of being disciplined and to be quiet before you and to serve? And you'll find that the Lord then moves us into what is called filling of the Spirit. But don't chase after the signs, friends. In the waiting, 
because we're waiting on the Lord to be, be instructed many times, like how do I walk in this life? And there's tons of passages on what that means, but be saturated in the word. Think of those things as you're meditating on scripture to be built up. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Lord is good and he will draw near to you if you draw near to him. R.C. Sproul is one of my favorite authors and he says in one of his books, Christians are permitted, in a sense, to attempt to discern the will of God by means of illumination by the Spirit and by confirmation through circumstances that we are doing the right thing. However, as we will discover The search for providential guidance must always be subordinate to the study of the revealed will of God, which is Scripture. It's always going to line up. It's never going to be like, I have this emotional experience over here, and it goes contrary to this. God is consistent. He is ever unchanging. Listen to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God Furthermore, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiveness in your heart to God. That's why we sing. Though we, when we sing, we bring glory to God, but more importantly, it's a reminder for you to lift your voices and encourage each other of God's grace and goodness and scripture that, that points to him. So we try our, our best to make sure that our songs line up with that. As we continue through here, being filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, he then tells us um, that God's will is that you are sanctified. Being sanctified is one of those words where, old word, but being set apart to be holy, to be um, useful unto him, a separation from sin. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, and honor, not in lustful passions, like the Gentiles who do not know God. As people of God, we have this vessel. He's talking about this vessel, your body. Your body is to be used for the Lord. And he's saying through through those actions and through those deeds, as we're surrendered unto the Spirit and as we redeem the time and as we are searching after the will of God, you will be sanctified. God will sanctify you through the process. But there is an aspect for you and me to put ourselves in submission, to be disciplined unto that. Though God does the work, the Holy Spirit converts, he he convicts, but he also comforts through all of that, remembering that the word is good for teaching and for reproof. But being sanctified is is more than just kind of getting your bootstraps up and saying, I'm going to do it. Sometimes we need to make sure that we're calculated in what we're doing also. Stop engaging in, in the sinful activities and putting ourselves in, in harm's way. 
So I, I think of it as, as I was studying that it's like being in a war and all of a sudden you place yourself right where the bomb's going to drop and then right as you see the bomb coming, you're like, save me, God. Well, don't put yourself there. So many times we, we ask the question of how close to the fire can I get without getting burned? Maybe the better question is, how far can I get from the fire and run away? Flee. Flee useful lust. Get away from the things that we so easily get entangled with. In fact, God calls us to be even more. He says to be holy, for he is holy. Take yourself out of the strike zone. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 if you've got your Bible there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So temptation is going to come to all of us. Especially when we're asking God to sanctify us or to bring us through the fire. Paul tells us that no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with that temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. God gives you a way out. The temptation comes to, to drink or to be sleeping with somebody you shouldn't be sleeping with, like Joseph. You know, Potiphar's wife comes and says, Hey, you're pretty handsome. My bedroom's open. He's like, nope, I'm out. He runs. That's how we should be. Run. Run away from the things that are contrary to God. This is indeed the will of God that you be sanctified. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a great verse to memorize because it reminds us to take our thoughts. Because, you know, sin usually starts here and then we act upon it. Did you hear that? Be transformed so that you can prove what the will of the Lord is, that which is sanctification. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as we close in these final thoughts. So we talked about, you know, to make sure we're redeeming time and seeing how we're walking, being filled with the Spirit. But now it turns and says that in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Chapter 5 gives us a whole list of things that we should and shouldn't be doing, light to darkness and um, etc. But ultimately it points to worship of the Lord. Everything that we do, whether our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, whether we're singing, whether we're digging a ditch, it's all for the glory of God. 
And that's what he's talking about here, addressing one another. As we sing here in a moment, it's an opportunity for you to address your neighbor and encourage them to come into the presence of the Lord and be reminded of his goodness and his grace and that his will is perfect. That he's with you through the circumstance. He's with you through the heartache. He hasn't left you nor forsaken you. He says, indeed, come with thanksgiving, with praise. For everything to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another. That's an act of reverence. We come, we submit before you, Lord. Submitting to one another, encouraging each other. As we sing, will you stand? Let's address one another, sing unto him, be reminded of his greatness, of his goodness. Confess sin where needed. Celebrate the King. He loves you dearly. Lord, may you can encourage us, Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, we want to honor you with our time, our energy, with our lives. Lord, may you uh, continually encourage us to seek after you, not our own desires, not the flesh. Lord, that we be filled with the Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity today to gather. Lord, it may be a sweet melody to you as we sing now. In Jesus' name, amen.